Welcome to the Lee Sloan Podcast. I believe that ideas and conversations have consequences, consequences that impact generations to come. Thanks for joining me today. Together, let's be brave enough to think, brave enough to feel, brave enough to change the world, one brave conversation at a time. In today's episode, we're exploring the power of information, facts. How do you choose the information that you consume? You know, it's really strange to me how we call this the information age, but it's kind of like the wild west of information. We don't know really what to do with information. We're far from mastering the use of all of the information that we have. I wonder what the founders of our country would have thought about the challenges that we face today with all of this information. We are actually in an age of thought warfare, and the one who controls what's expressed gets to control the narrative. Now, I've invited my resident fact checker, very brilliant guy, Dan Juris. He is passionate about this topic of information, and I've invited him to give us some tips and some insights into how facts affect our lives. So I started by asking him what kinds of sources that he seeks out when considering polarizing issues. Let's take a listen. So really one of the things that I firmly believe is that when you're looking for true unbiased sources, that you really need to get to a primary source. Um, No matter what you hear from a secondary source, say a journalist or um, even an encyclopedia article, it's always going to be filtered through somebody else's biases and maybe even somebody else's agenda, whether knowingly or unknowingly on their part. So Mm -hmm. I really believe that it's important for the public to be able to have access to and seek out and do the research themselves. You know, there's been a saying that's been around for a long time, trust but verify. And I think these days the verify part just isn't happening. Right. And it's so interesting in our <clears throat> in our world of so much information, it almost is harder to do that than it used to be. Right. There's uh, a lot out there in the age of the internet, mm-hmm. but you run in the problems with accessibility of primary sources. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be looking at things like medical information, scientific information. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem with that is that a lot of the most reliable sources you can find out there, uh, peer-reviewed scientific and medical journals, mm-hmm. are hidden behind paywalls or are mm-hmm. tucked away in the corners of academia mm-hmm. where the average consumer is going to have a difficult time accessing that content. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you compare that to what's readily out there. Mm -hmm. You do a Google search on um, anything related to science or medicine. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find the hard facts easily. Right. Um, And a lot of us, we have to, you know, talk about the elephant in the room. A lot of us can't understand some of that. As well, so it so we don't have readily available facts, and some of it like we wouldn't even choose to do it if, if we're too lazy, or we also don't understand it. Even if we could get it, it's just really hard to to grab onto those really hard, really good data, right? It, it is for a lot of people, and 
that's okay. That's something that if you want to pursue those sources, you have the opportunity to educate yourself to understand them better. But if the source itself is not accessible, all that's for nothing. Right, that's true. Um, When you see media reports referring to researchers at Harvard said X. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to see what exactly those researchers at Harvard discovered and how they conducted their study. And interpret yourself. And interpret (laughs) the data myself. Right, yeah. That's really, really tough nowadays. So... So let's talk about, we, we kind of mentioned when we were talking before, actually before a lot of this stuff came to light in the media, we were talking about how whoever controls the sources controls... Controls the narrative. The narrative. And, and therefore controls what people think, basically. Yes. It's like mind control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is a really concerning thing for a lot of us. I know a lot of us are like, you know, whether you're right or left or in between, you're concerned about this probably, about the media, and, and because you feel like there's no one to trust. Right. A long time ago I had it. A conversation with my parents. I remember I was a teenager and we were sitting in the car and my, my mom and dad had a difference of opinion on this. My dad was saying that, um, you know, well, actually I was saying <laughs> that I don't think anyone can be unbiased. And my mom was like, she studied journalism a little bit in college and she was like, but, but you're supposed to be like, this is what you learn in journalism and, and this is how you can be unbiased and it should be an art form and you should be striving for that. And, and I'm just like, yeah, but I don't think it can exist fully right. and completely. Right. I think that uh, even if you make every attempt to mm-hmm. portray a story in an unbiased way, simply the fact that you're the one presenting the story means the way you present it is going to be influenced by who you are mm-hmm. and what you believe even unconsciously. Sure. Yeah. The, the fact that we all have colored glasses, so yes. to speak, and we all are human. So we're going to present things differently. So that's why you go to the primary source, right? Yes. Instead of just, you know, trying to get both sides. Mm-hmm. Can you explain why you would go to the primary source instead of so, both yeah, sides? So in, in terms of what Lee's talking about there, um, referring to going to both sides, you might say, well, I'm going to list, look at this source on the left or this source on the right, listen to what they both have to say, see what they have in common, see where they're differing, and the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. But what if there's more than just two sides? Mm -hmm. Which there are. Right. There is really, Mm -hmm. I think, no issue that there are only two sides on. Mm -hmm. I think it's more like a circle Mm -hmm. where you can be at any point on the spectrum at any degree Mm -hmm. deviation from the center. Mm -hmm. And it may very well be that you're say your hypothetical left-wing commentator and your Mm -hmm. hypothetical right-wing commentator, while they seem to be at each other's throats, Mm -hmm. that there is part of the agenda that they both desire. Mm. Yeah, that could be. (laughs) We wouldn't know unless we really get into it. And I think uh, we're not really trained how to do that anymore. No, No, and and that's concerning is Mm -hmm. that education these days involves teaching to tests mm-hmm. and you have yeah you kid... read the content and and did you understand the content not right can you correct it's all about content mm-hmm. and you have kids growing up being taught what to think and not how to think mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting because because you know on 
on different sides of the fence, we have different facts. This really frustrates me. Like, it seems like there are different facts that each side brings out, and you're like, ah, what? There can't be different facts. <laughs> that can't. But yeah. facts can look completely different from different points of view mm-hmm. with the exact same data. Right. Depending on what the person is trying to demonstrate with yeah. that data. Even, even and, Right. Yeah. Even in terms of research. Well, now we're going to get into a real life scenario happening right now in which the facts are not so easy to come by. Everybody has heard about the attack on the mosques in New Zealand several weeks ago involving a lone gunman who was going in with multiple long guns and used it to kill dozens of people who were worshipping. Well, one of the big things about the way he conducted the attack was he was live-streaming it with a helmet cam as he was carrying out the attack. And that was posted online immediately, It was shared millions of times, and just as quickly as it was being shared, it was being shut down by content providers online, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, immediately doing their best to uh, shut down the video footage of the attack and ban users who were sharing it. Hmm. Um, Soon after, the government of New Zealand... Uh, Under their censorship laws, they actually have an official whose title is Chief Censor. Mm. They declared that 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 video is objectionable content, is the term they use under their law, which is the same category as child pornography. Mm. And possession or distribution of it is subject to up to 14 years imprisonment. Wow. And you might say, well... You have a video of a mass murder uh, where the perpetrator was arrested and it's potential evidence in a criminal case. Maybe it shouldn't be shared right away. Well, mm-hmm. okay, L- let's, let's go along with that. Well, he also published a long rambling manifesto mm. detailing what he wanted to make public as his motivations and his thoughts behind carrying out this attack. You've seen a similar response online when this manifesto has been posted. It's been shut down. Mm -hmm. It's been banned. It's been deleted. The government of New Zealand in this past week has also declared that the text of that gunman's manifesto is objectionable content possession of which or distribution is punishable by up to 14 years in prison Hmm. for text. And if you can read Mein Kampf or purchase a copy at a bookstore, and yet uh, it is a criminal offense to read or share this manifesto, we're starting to have a disconnect. Hmm. Furthermore, when you see what the media is reporting, about the gunman's motivation. Now, yes, he was absolutely Mm -hmm. anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, and that was what he detailed as part of his motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, But the media has been portraying him as a right-wing terrorist. Hmm. However, 
if you read his manifesto, one of the things that he says in terms of talking about his own political views is that the country that is the closest to his own political and social views is the People's Republic of China. Mm-hmm. That's not something you hear being said in the media. Mm-hmm. Now, hardly anybody would think of communist China as being a right-wing government. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's become the accepted narrative that this was a right-wing terrorist. Mm-hmm. So he, he, your opinion is he's a little bit of both. He's, <laughs> he's I think he's... He's a strange amalgamation he, of... Exactly. He's in his own... Um, field right there's created his own he's created his own area of craziness that he believes in there's no but no one mainstream on the left or on the right that shares his beliefs Mm -hmm. um he's created his own place on the political spectrum where he really doesn't fit into any category Mm -hmm. eco-fascist is the term that he uses to refer to himself uh, he's really talks about wanting to protect the natural order and the environment mm-hmm. while at the same time being anti-immigration while saying, I have nothing against the non-white peoples of this world as long as they stay in their own countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I'm curious now. I know New Zealand is exercising censorship, mm-hmm. but what about America? What's happening there? So you're not seeing government censorship in America. Mm -hmm. We're not to that point, at least not yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're seeing is private entities who control a large amount of discussion space are selectively blocking certain views. Mm -hmm. Like social media. Like social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Reddit, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, you see in certain communities um, that levels of moderation are going to be different in every community, but mm-hmm. there are large communities on Reddit where individuals have posted that this gunman associates himself with the politics of the People's Republic of China mm-hmm. or point out that his goal was to provoke increased gun control laws in order to spark a civil war Hmm. between the left and the right and that actions of the New Zealand government in terms of what they have been doing so rapidly in terms of their gun legislation have been playing right into his hands, Hmm. have been summarily banned and have their comments deleted from the record. Right, and and I guess you can... You can sympathize, possibly, maybe you can't, but some people might be able to sympathize with people blocking what he's saying because they're like, well, we're against this kind of violence. We don't want his message Mm -hmm. to go out. That sounds good and well, but But censorship and restriction of free speech. It's sometimes referred to as the the Streisand effect. Hmm. Um, But the fact is, and what we're seeing is that the banning of this video and this manifesto, I think, has increased the demand for it online. People saying uh, we shouldn't be giving him the light of day to share his views that are so reprehensible. But I believe that 
the, if you believe they're so reprehensible, mm-hmm. put them out in the open right. so we can make fun of him. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and I, I, that is a really good point because the whole concept of freedom of speech is that uh, speech isn't we, – we can decipher between – what is right and wrong when we see all, everything out, out there, right? Yes. Like, we should be able to take the facts from that and, and be intelligent human beings with right. it. We're not automatons, and we're not going to just do just because someone says to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that's really interesting. Uh, we have our First Amendment, but what do other countries have in um, regard to free speech? A lot of other countries say they protect free speech, mm-hmm. but in practice... The line gets blurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, partic- not, not as strong as ours. Not as strong mm-hmm. as ours. Like we talked about in New Zealand where they have an office of the chief censor. Mm-hmm. In Europe, there are a lot of countries that have hate speech laws. Right. There are a lot of countries in Europe that have hate speech laws that actually make it a criminal offense to publicly make disparaging remarks about another race. Mm-hmm. There are countries in Europe, uh, Germany obviously being the biggest example, where denying the Holocaust is a criminal offense. Mm. Wow. So yeah, I, I mean, this gets into some scary waters when you talk about restricting someone's speech because then any speech can be restricted. Right. And it only goes by the whim of whoever's controlling the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so let's bring this back to... Information and what do we do when we get all this information flooding into our feeds and and things like this? Um, how can we look at just the average article that someone posts? I mean, what do we do? Well, if you see an article posted online, one of the things you might want to do is look for other stories that are written about the same event. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be from different perspectives, from different journalists. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're talking about an event that actually happened. That's a good point. You know, there's so many satire sites out there, hoax sites, Mm -hmm. that present fake news articles as if they are true. Right. And and the thing about hoaxes is they're put out there not even to pretend to be true, but then a certain group, a number of the population actually believes that as, and takes it as truth. It never, ever follows up. So it actually has some power. You end up with uh, moral panics. Right. Like, everybody knows about uh, when kids go trick-or-treating on Halloween, always inspect their candy to make sure that there's no pins or needles or razor blades in them, right? Right. (laughs) Well, if you look at data and crime reports Mm -hmm. for Halloween candy that's been tampered with Mm -hmm. causing injury to children, Mm -hmm. there is one case where it's documented to have happened, Mm -hmm. and that was put there by the kid's own parent. Oh, my. Wow. Good little tidbit to know. (laughs) Next level is read the article, look for any other sources that might be referenced by whoever wrote the article. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, police department. Uh, A lot of police departments might have blotters or public information releases Mm -hmm. where you might be able to go directly to that source and look at what they put out themselves as the information about that event. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, If it's a study, you might go and search for that study. You may only get an abstract, but Mm -hmm. it's going to give you some more information on the background Mm -hmm. of that study than what you see reported in a news blurb. Mm -hmm. 
you know, with all of this information that we're having to sift through all the time and, and we understand things in different ways, you know, we're educated differently. Sometimes I feel like we just need to hire our own private fact checkers sometimes because we, it's a lot to sift through, but, um, but I appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing with us some of how you look at it because mm-hmm. you're passionate about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to know the truth and you will go digging to find it. And, um, you know, you probably had to take a screenshot of some of that stuff before it went away. Yeah, well, when it comes to um, the New Zealand Gunman's uh, Manifesto, um, I did, as I was reading it, I was taking screenshots and saving them just in case the site that I was reading it on was taken down and I wouldn't be able to go there again for later reference. Yeah. Because I have seen that happening on sites that have been hosting it. Right. And if there's if there's information out there that supports a view that is not readily held by, you know, whether it's your search engine or mm-hmm. or your uh, social media platform. Yeah, um, Facebook just put out a announcement recently that uh, users who search for white nationalism or white separatist groups will have their searches redirected. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's happening. You know, regardless of what you think about that. Mm-hmm. about those groups, right. the fact that you're not even allowing people to search for information on them, I find yeah. disconcerting. Thank you so much, Dan, for sharing your insight with us and also for fact-checking these episodes. We really appreciate what you do and what you bring to this show. As we conclude this talk, I just want to come away with a few thoughts for you. Number one, just a reminder to please post and share responsibly, especially on social media, but anywhere you might share things. Try the best that you can to check your facts before sharing, no matter how much you might want to agree with what's being written. Look at primary sources whenever you can. Number two, you may not have learned critical thinking skills in school, but there's no time like the present to start to learn them and use them. I'd recommend something like Edward de Bono's thinking course. It's D-E-B-O-N-O. Or you can research the logical fallacies, just basic logical fallacies. You can look it up on any website, and you can see how to steer clear of them. I hope that as you continue to listen to this podcast, that you and I will together grow in our critical thinking skills. It's really a skill that is essential for the preservation of our civilization as we know it. It's that important. Now, third, I really hope that you'll do what you can to protect free speech wherever you live. Remember that if one group that you don't like isn't free to express their opinions today, you might not be free to express your opinions tomorrow. Until next time, keep having those brave conversations.